privilege of witnessing. That was mighty! You know, sports and politics, who says they never mix? In 1986, Commonwealth Games uh, in Edinburgh, it was known as the Boycott Games after more than 30 nations withdrew their participation. In response to the then British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher's refusal to sanction apartheid-era South Africa. Now, John Brown, who was the sports minister under the Hawke government, certainly didn't hold back his thoughts at the time. Take a listen. There's not that much that binds the Commonwealth together. Not much at all. One of the few remaining united things is the Commonwealth Games. As usual, athletes and sports are good for pulling things together. While ever uh, you've got uh, the most powerful nation and the leader of the Commonwealth being out of step with the rest of the Commonwealth, it, put, it puts the whole unity of the Commonwealth under threat. Well, this week John Brown launched his autobiography, Brownie, the Minister for Good Times, and he joins me now. G'day, John. G'day, Andy. I believe at one point Bob Hawke even called Margaret Thatcher and warned her that the Commonwealth Games would implode. I think he perhaps used language I can't exactly repeat on air. But how did that conversation uh, actually go down? Well, uh, like everybody else, I think that the only thing that keeps the Commonwealth together, the glue that keeps them together, is the Commonwealth Games. It's the only thing that all those nations have in common. They all hate England because of the old regime of years ago and 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 the the things that were inflicted upon their natives and uh, they have different religion different social aspects different politics nothing at all the only holds them together is the commonwealth games and the minister for sport rang me to say that the commonwealth games were to start in edinburgh on the tuesday that's that little piece you just played and he said uh, the British Lions, which is normally England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales, were to play their first game in South Africa on the Saturday in, as a rebel team. Now, Irish, the Scottish and the Welsh were withdrawn, only the English. And Margaret Thatcher, Margie Thatcher was, in, was, was quite definite that they had to go and play to, to show that her... Uh, resistance from that diet was from that riot was there. So, anyhow, he said, "Do you think you'd get Maggie Thatcher on the phone to Hawk?" So I did. I, I got them together, and uh, what I've written in a book is the result of that conversation. Your portfolio was actually quite remarkable at the time. It must have felt like more uh, a, a sort of foreign affairs ministry. At your book launch this week, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese also tackled the age-old argument about whether sport and politics should mix. He even took a swipe at critics of Australian uh, cricket captain Pat Cummins, who uh, don't like that he has had as an opinion about politics, uh, certainly climate change. How, how do you feel about individual athletes expressing their political opinions? Of course they should be able to express their personal opinions. Absolutely. But the, the thing about politics and sport, uh, when I became the minister in, 80, in 84 when Hawke arrived, there hadn't been since Federation one piece of legislation through that parliament in all those years that included the world sport. The governments until that stage had surrendered any interest in sport. They said it wasn't at all a political issue. The same with tourism. And it was Bob and I that took them on and uh, we revolutionised both sport and tourism. Act together with 
Paul Hogan, of course. Who well, was the, I was going to ask. Secret, uh, secret in, in tourism. Uh, Paul Hogan was at your launch as well. He famously, of course, appeared in the Shrimp on the Barbie tourism ad in the 1980s. It really was a, a stellar decade for Australia. Lots of optimism, lots of um, looking outwards. Uh, Crocodile Dundee was, was breaking box office records. Australia, too, claimed an unlikely victory in the 90, 18, uh, 1983 America's Cup. Brisbane hosted the World Expo in 88. How would you define the time and how Australia was projecting itself to the world? Well, here was Australia the, uh, the, the, with a fascination for sport, but the government took no part. Up until 1984, the Olympic team paid their own fares and bought their own uniforms. Would you believe that? Mm. People don't believe it, but it's true. Incredible. There was no, there was no, no uh, assistance, whatever. Did any any contributions to sport was tax was wasn't tax deductible, so we changed all of those things, and from then on, sport became what it should be. I mean, Bob was a Bob was a hero for me in sport. The budget was six million dollars. Six million dollars, could you imagine? <laughs> and the first year, he gave me seventy five million to build the Institute of Sport, another ten million to put the pool in there, and another. $32 million to, to arrange sporting facilities around Australia. For instance, you know, in, in, in Sydney, when we built this the, at that time, the sports centre at Homebush, that was the first decent venue built in Sydney in 100 years, with the exception of the North Sydney Pool. It was built in 1938 for the Empire Games. Well, and the North Sydney... Sport was just not, not considered... And it broke my heart, and that's exactly why I had to wait for for, for uh, Hawke to arrive because the previous my the government that I was in took no interest. Then Bob Bob became prime minister, and that was it. Sport was revolutionised. John, your opening chapter in your book is titled "About That Desk Business." Now, some people might know what I'm talking about; others are going to have to buy the book. But suffice to say, you've written <laughs> with great candour. Should all politicians leave their memoirs until they turn 92, like you? Uh, well, it was no secret that at the, at the, at the time, don't forget, I was I had an office in the city, and this was on a Friday, and I'm on the way home, and I noticed the mid midday paper had this headline: "Sex scandal rocks government." My God, who's that? I bought the paper, and it was me. <laughs> it was my. It was a forecast for the Sunday more the Sunday night sixty minutes, with my wife confessing that that she and I had made love on a on a parliamentary desk way back in, in 84 when I first became a minister. Now, the furore that that created is an example of the prurient nature of Australians. This was my wife. The Catholic Church, even old Fred Nile said it was a good thing. People married for all those years with five kids yeah. could still find pleasure in themselves. Well, how times have changed, certainly, times John. Have changed. I'm glad that you haven't, though. Uh, John, it's a pleasure to talk to you. You were the for Federal Sports Minister and Tourism Minister under the Hawke government. Your autobiography and memoir is called Brownie, the Minister for Good Times. Tell them to go and buy it. It's a good book. It's <laughs> a really good read. I couldn't possibly hear it, the nation's public broadcaster. Great to talk to you. John, all the best and Merry Christmas. Thank you, Andy. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.